147, huh? Welcome to Scatterbrain Podcast, episode 147. How you doing? Not bad. How's it going? Pretty good. Pretty good. Just uh, enjoying the weekend. Looking forward to the Anthrax and Exodus show next weekend in Anaheim. Looking forward to that quite a bit. I'm getting excited. It's going to be my oldest first metal show. Hopefully the first of of many. What was your first metal show? Uh, would have probably been, I don't know. First big metal show would have been like Clash of the Titans, probably. Any concert, like any sort of live music. Uh, I wouldn't have been able to tell you because it was in high school. One of those like local bands somewhere doing something. I don't remember. Oh, that yeah, that no, that doesn't count. That doesn't count. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, my first my first metal show, actual metal show, probably was uh, Clash, Clash of the Titans, which was um, Metallica, Slayer. Who was it? Uh, it was uh, Slayer, Anthrax, Megadeth, and I want to say Alice in Chains. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the one I saw was up in the in the Coliseum actually in 1988, I think, and it was it was fucking weird. It was like it was like a uh, scorpions maggot uh scorpions metallica um god i forgot who else was on it but it was a weird lineup of, of strange bands like big bands but it didn't really ma- like metallica was the heaviest band but that was the clash of the titans that i remembered mm, i don't know i thought clash of the titans was was that one it was like ending 90 90 with slayer megadeth anthrax and uh, that was the one i knew but who knows man clash of the titans is hardly an original name right yeah i'm sure it was a different name it was it was a different name it was something uh, you know, monsters of rock, monsters of rock. Yeah, that's, that's what, what it was. Monsters of rock. Yep, that's what it was. Trippy. Yeah. So I, and I feel like uh, with this Old. one, I've sort of hit the next stage in life. You know, it's I've, I've been kind of aware of it as like all the you know I've been going to metal shows for a long time as have you, but you see people getting older, and the thing oh. that I've I've seen for several years now is all those original metal guys, metal heads, you know, guys and gals, I guess, bringing their kids. Right. And uh, now I'm one of those old guys bringing his kid. It's like yep. a new life stage. It is. You said your new new stage in life. And I, first thing that came to my mind was, oh, incontinence? Anyway. I think I think you're confusing me with yourself, but I get it. <laughs> Fuck off. <I'm> confused. <laughs> my first show was a Peace of Mind tour, Iron Maiden. And it was Fastway and Saxon. I think I've said that before. That was an awesome show. Yeah, you said that. And that was it. Was that Sports Arena? That was at San Diego Sports Arena. Yeah, it was so fucking good. 1980, 1983, I think. What other shows have you seen there? I know we saw Slayer's last show in San Diego there together. Uh, I've, we seen saw... so, I've seen so many shows there. Yeah, same. Mostly through the 80s. Because the 80s, that was like where they played all the shows. And they would sell out, you know, most metal bands would sell out arenas. They don't really do that now. Yeah, I think um, it takes a Slayer or an anthrax or something like that to do that for most of those arenas. I mean, I think sports arena seats like 17,000, including the floor. Something like that. So that's a lot of people. Uh, I think it takes both of those bands or like three really big bands to get those kind of shows going nowadays. That's probably true. It doesn't help. They schedule them during the week. You know, if they stuck to weekends, they'd be bigger. But, you know, there's just so much music, man. I mean, even next month, there's so many shows that I want to see. And like what uh, Paroxysmal Butchering is playing the same night as the Suffocation and the Death Tribute Band, whatever it is, got Gene Hoagland, I forget what the name of it is, but there's just conflicts. There's just so much music. There's another one uh, up in 
that transplants up in Palm Dole. I went to that one music thing. Uh, there's like a show there the same night as another one that I'm going to down. I think it might be the same night as the Crypta show, the Skeletal Remains, Crypta, Morbid Angel, that show. Uh, just a lot of concerts right now, which is good. Very good. So before we get started, dude, I wanted to bring up something that I saw. We've talked many times about the possibility of the origins of life here, the history of it, the timeline, you know, does it start on Mars? I mean, all these different ideas, right? And just like with the space exploration, the more we learn about archaeology and different things, the more we realize how little we know. I saw an article the other day that to me was completely mind-blowing. It was another recent discovery that once again completely rewrites the timeline of, I wouldn't say humans, but humanoids on Earth and intelligent life, what could eventually be intelligent life. The article was was uh, talking about uh, excavation at an existing site in Kenya, but I guess they found a um, some molars that date back to a species called Paranthropus. They kind of are uh, like they branched off from from Homo sapiens earlier on, you know, but off of that same lineage, and you know, kind of the assumption was that until I guess until they found this, th these particular discoveries, that it was um, like the homo, homo sapiens and, and things off our tree a little closer were the only ones that were making tools. But they just found some stuff from this other species that was like uh, tools, stone tools and molars that kind of show that they were eating certain foods and stuff that dates back to three million years ago. Not 300,000, like humans, but 3 million. Isn't that nuts? It jumped 10 times? Tenfold? Yeah. yeah. No, wait, more than 10. Wait, more than 10. No, tenfold, yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah, they found in this site in Kenya, it's a Nyan, Nyanga, Nyanga, N-Y-A-Y-A-N-G-A. And it's the, this is here where they found the oldest evidence of hominids consuming animals the same species and then these tools that looked like they were using them to kind of like butcher the animals and stuff like that they also uh, found antelope bones that showed evidence of being slight like the meat sliced away with stone tools and then crushers that they were using to that had you know the, the usage marks and everything um, to mash plants or bones into like a meal they found 30 tools they showed uh, had been used to cut, scrape, and pound animals and plants. And it seems like pretty legitimate because they used the uh, radioscope, radioisotope analysis, dating it from to 2.6 to 3 million years ago. That's just mind-blowing. Wow. That, that brings up the whole, like, out-of-place artifacts, too, the, that whole phenomenon. Things found, you know deep in the layers of earth that should not be there, you know, and they're, they're like intertwined with things that are carbon dated as being a certain age, you know, like the hammer that they found like deep in Texas, in Texas. Yeah. Or, Wasn't there or, like a gear or something too? I mean, again, yeah. I read this, this stuff and it's like online. So who knows the, you know? Yeah. I think, I think that behind it, the but... Texas one, I think has been pretty much validated or that the geodesic like rock that that person split open they found what looks like a almost like a spark plug inside of it it's like what the fuck it's really weird 
pretty odd. So who knows? I mean, again, here we go, right? I remember being in school and they were saying, oh, yeah, Homo sapiens goes back 100,000 to 150,000 years. I was like in college. And then just, you know, a couple decades later, now they're, they, you know, they've modified that to be at least 300,000. And now they're finding things, tools, and further evidence that dates back to two to three million. It's insane. Yeah. Well, it's just like uh, that, that thing they found in Turkey. They figure Sumerians went, goes back, what, how many thousands of years? Uh, it was like nine or something, right? Some, some 5,000 BC or something or 6,000 BC. But then they found that thing in Turkey that farmers saw like stones sticking up on a hill and they, they like got all the dirt away from it. And it was like this huge, this huge like Stonehenge kind of area with, with carvings of animals on the stones and everything. That thing goes back 13,000 BC. So that just like almost doubled, you know, how long back that they think humans had some sort of civilization, like in one, in one find. So you never know. Yeah. I mean, but like you said, tenfold and obviously, you know, to be doing things like grinding things in stone. I mean, that takes a certain level of sophistication, but you're seeing it with the chimps, chimps and things now. So it's not outside the scope either that. There are many different variations of these hominids or humanoids, whatever you want to call them. I don't know what the correct term is that were doing kind of the same thing. And then for whatever reason, they just, you know, got out competed because making tools and using tools makes sense. Right. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Definitely. Yeah. I just thought that was really interesting. Just mind blowing shows you how little we know. Right. And we, we've talked about it. Like if the whole thing about Mars, like maybe they were, for lack of a better term, just to keep it simple, people there. And it could be a billion years, right? They say they're finding evidence, you know, of water. They're finding with ice and where they think water is underground and uh, the effects of like stone erosion due to like waves and things. So, I mean, even if it was a billion years ago that that was the case, it's a long time. There'd be nothing left, even if they had full on cityscapes. Was it about the... What were they called? The De Denisovans? Denovicians? Wait. I think De De Denisovan? Denisovians or something like that. Yeah. Uh, like a subspecies of humanity or something that went ex I don't. I don't know exactly how that works, but it was like a whole other branch of humanity or something, wasn't it? And they went extinct pretty quick because they were kind of uh, fenced off, not fenced off, but um, separated from, from what would become humans. But they were like comparable to humans, I think. Something like that. I'm looking here. They're the Denisovans or Denisova hominins. Uh, they're a subspecies of archaic human that ranged across Asia. Okay. Lower and middle Paleolithic. They're oh, known okay. from very few remains, so they don't know much about them. But, I mean, you see molars that look almost like a person's tooth. I think they're, they're similar to Neanderthals and kind of stockier, the wider hips, bigger bones, I think. Um, more, you know, more rugged because of the, the climate, I guess. Something like that. That makes sense. Apparently, they interbred with modern humans. I'm just, I'm just reading this right now. The highest percentage is roughly 5% occurring in um, Aboriginal Australians and Filipinos, ne Negritos, Negritos, and then Melanesians. So Asia, I guess, sounds like the, like the South Pacific or something. And Australians. 
Oh, some 50,000 years ago, it says competition for food sources is what most likely led to their extinction. I said they were the, they were the originators of the flat tops. Forget the 1980s. They were the first flat tops because they had flat heads. <laughs> <laughs> That's ridiculous. That's so anyways, funny. to bring it back to this, I just it's mind blowing. And once again, that there's evidence of tools three million years ago. Yeah, I, something about that doesn't really impress me, I guess, because, I mean, they've they've filmed, like, chimpanzees using things as tools. I guess they don't fashion their own flint axes and things like that, so that's the difference, right? Well, they didn't find that real. Oh, I, mean, I guess they, they did find the evidence of the stone-cutting tools on the bones, yeah. Yeah. But they'll be there. I don't think that, I don't think that chimpanzees were really making tools when I was a kid. No, but I mean, they do use tools like, you know, they'll, they'll get a stick and they'll stick it in yeah. the tree to get the, you know, to get the uh, termites out and things like that. But they don't like fashion tools. Now, when I see video evidence of a chimpanzee with a, with a, with a stone, a flint stone and a stick, and he's sitting there spinning it trying to make a fire, then I'll be impressed. They, they will be our new overlords pretty soon. Oh, that's like they've been made movies about that. Yeah, MTV yeah I know. Shows. I know. I think it's going to be raccoons. They're smart. They're scary. They have opposable thumbs. I'm telling you, raccoons are going to take over. They'll survive when, when things get bad. They'll just go underground. Yeah. And they can live off of all of our trash that we've left behind. It's perfect. It's a perfect fit. Let's talk about this band. Okay. So this is one of your picks here. Yep. A couple of weeks ago, we were talking about what to review. And you said, oh, let's go back and let's review something from last year because there's not that much that has come out yet. And I <laughs> yeah. send you six, seven, eight little links. Uh-huh. Mistake. Yeah, it was a mistake. Well, this is, this is we're getting flooded, dude. We're getting flooded. I love it. Yeah. I, I there's just so much music. So much music. You can't even keep up. And I'm so happy in my old age that metal has latched onto the youth. Oh, thank you. I know. It's it's very good to see new bands coming up. It's awesome. Yep. Today we're talking about Super Liminal by Nothingness. Yeah. This was released January 20th, 2023. Nine tracks, 43 minutes, 28 seconds. Mm-hmm. Had you ever heard of these guys before? Never. Uh-uh. Have you, you hadn't heard of these guys, have you? Nope. Uh, these guys are, are from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Oh, really? Formed in 2018. Hmm. And I mean, they're straight up death metal, right? I mean, <laughs> what you'd call them. It's pretty close to like brutal death metal, isn't it? I don't know. It's got kind of like, um, what, yeah, like, I don't know, man. There's like, there's all kinds of elements in here. There's parts of it that sound like, like a black metal. Kind of. Yeah, kind of, right? Kind of. Um, especially I, I suppose, yeah. tracks later on in, in the album. But I mean, it's death metal, but they've got some of the slow, slow, like slogging little parts that would be almost more like death course and i don't know i'm not there's so many subgenres, but like, like doom death or something yeah 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 yep there's a five-piece band on bass we have ben hartzel on drums jason hurt on guitars alex wallstad and barclay olsen on vocals and the other guitar player is johnny grandel grandel something like that is this their full uh first full-length album i don't know no, this is actually their second. Uh, they released in 2019 an album called The Hollow Gaze of Death. I didn't go back and listen to it. I've been listening to this one quite a bit, actually. Yeah. What'd you think? I like it. 
it's heavy. It's good. <laughs> Is it? This seemed like it was right up your alley, kind of, to me. Yeah, and I mean, we we discovered this one together in a way because we were trying to decide, and we just started listening to different ones, and we heard this the first track, "Curse of Creation," and kind of the build up to it and everything up to the vocals was like, oh yeah, we're reviewing this. Yeah. So yeah, that that album that track really sucked me into the album. I don't think that there's necessarily a throwaway on this, but at over forty three minutes, it's kind of a little long. I got tired. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of weird because I, I felt like I didn't it didn't hold my attention the whole way through the whole 43 minutes, but I liked it. Yeah. Every song that I listened to up to the point where I started getting a little like I needed to move on, they were all good. Yeah. I, I noticed this and I decided to drop in in the middle around the spot that I would tend to kind of lose interest. To check. I did the same thing. Yeah. And those were good too. Fuck yeah, dude! I did the same thing. If you start with like well, just one song, and you listen, you go, "God damn, these guys are good." But listening to it from front to back, it gets kind of tiring because it's just it's so much. It just it just bashes your head in for forty something minutes, and about halfway through, the you know, a couple times I listened to it, I was just like, "I'm kind of in the mood for something else now," because it's just overload a little bit, I think. But that's not to say it's not good. Yeah, that's what's really interesting about this is it didn't really seem to hold my attention the whole time, and that's why I kind of started experimenting and dropping right in the middle. Kind yeah, of where just, I got tired. Yeah. And it was good. So it was like not a throwaway. It's it's like a very interesting thing to me. That's so funny because I did the same thing. I didn't necessarily drop in the middle, but it, it, I'd get kind of tired. And then I come back to it and listen to the rest of the album. And I thought, why don't I just start like, it's a fresh day. I'm just going to like start at the, the last song, right? And I was like, damn, this is a good song, right? But, you know, by the time I get to the last song, when I listen to it all the way through a couple of times, it was, I was over it, you know, it was just too much for me, but like I said, it's not to say it's not good. This is really good. Yeah. So that's kind of a weird one, right? Because it's like, it's like feels too long, but it it's does. not boring. I don't think there's any throwaway on here. No, there's, there's not. I, I would say that I, I did get kind of bored. I just needed something else. It was too much of the same song after song, but individually each song is really good. Yeah. That's how I feel. Now, one thing that was interesting to me is it takes a really big change you go, you get to the seventh track, Beacon of Loss. And that's like a seven, it's the longest, the longest song on the album at 7-Eleven. Mm -hmm. And it's like a total different change there. It, it really got more like, it was like a shift even just to the feels like slower, almost like more melodic, like more black metal feel to it. So it was almost like, maybe it's like an example of how the placement of an album albums tracks matters because yeah. I get to about track five and then I'm like, okay, I'm kind of done. But then a couple tracks after that, they have this beacon of loss and that completely for me changes the feel of the album. And it like changes it up enough that when you get to the next couple songs and finish out, it's pretty good. Do you know the story behind that song? I do not at all. Well, it's 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 seven minutes, 11 seconds for a reason, because they all worked at 7-Eleven for years and they all quit on the same day and they felt this tremendous beacon of loss. <laughs> I'm full shit. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, that was, that's a pretty good story. Right. If that's true, I'll shit myself. No, um, that's a good song, though, dude. I like that song, too. Yeah, there's not really a throwaway on this. This is, this is good shit. Yeah. I, I will say I will say that I did think the first song was a bad song, though, mostly because when I first heard it, I, I dug it so much, you know. And so when I replayed it, that was my most enjoyable 
song. So that is my favorite song. I think it's true too for me. I really did like, like I said, that seventh track, the Beacon of Loss. And I like the last track too, Decimation Mechanism. Dude, I love the names of these songs. Dude, Catapulted into Hyperspace is hilarious. For some reason, that, that I love that song name. When we first were listening to it and I saw those names and I saw that, I just died laughing. Catapulted into Hyperspace It's fucking awesome. But they're all great names. You want to give it a rating? Uh, this is good shit, dude. I mean, this isn't right. Like, this isn't really entirely up my alley. But the musicianship is quality. Uh, the vocals aren't necessarily my style. It gets kind of old for me, you know. Um, it does kind of taper off. I, I get a little bit halfway or three quarters of the way through. But that, like I said, it's not to say this is bad in any way. This is fucking awesome. But there is a little bit of the the attention factor. You know, holding my attention is not really there. Um, the replayability, I have a feeling, is going to be epic once I come back to this because it is a little bit complex. Uh, I'd say eight and a half. Nice. Yeah, I, I kind of like you. I had to knock it down a bit as well. It's good, it's heavy, but the same thing. I mean, it seems like we had a similar experience with it that just didn't hold you in. If to get up to like a nine, that's what it, that's what you really need is it has to, you want to be like, get to the end and be like, man, I got to listen to this again. It's over so quick, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, like, um, like Malleus or Malleus, whatever, yeah. I'm still listening to that one, dude. That's a great album. Yeah, it is. Totally. Yeah. Anyway. So yeah, I'd give this, I'd give this a, an eight and a half as well. Um, oh. I think that if somehow it didn't have that effect, maybe what it is for me is it's just too long and there's not a bad song. So it's just too long. Pull out mm. arbitrarily a song. I don't know. That maybe isn't one of the ones that stands out in my mind and I wouldn't, it wouldn't be any worse for it. It might've made it better. Yeah. But I listened to this a lot, but um, Same here. had to go back and forth. I listened to it, go do something else, listen to something else and come back to this. But I've given this one a fair shake. And I definitely yeah, me too. Yeah. will be coming back. I would definitely recommend it if you're into anything heavy. Yeah. I, I would say like for me, if they would have like just cut out one song, any of these songs except the first one, if they would have just cut out one song, put in one of those things you hate, like some sort of little interlude or some sort of little chamber music or a classical thing somewhere in there to begin a song or end a song or just to split it up and maybe a little more diversity in the vocals um it was a little bit too much you know the same every song for me i mean i know that's kind of what you like but um i would have given it a higher rating because the musicianship on this is fucking pretty phenomenal actually mm -hmm. songwriting skills are fucking excellent too yeah it's a good album 8.5 is by no means a bad rating this is a fucking great album if you like metal listen yeah absolutely once again, we're talking about uh, Supraliminal by Nothingness. Nothingness. Now, I'm getting them confused with that band you really liked from last year. That was I Needless. Needless, that's it. I keep thinking it's the same band for some reason. But no, not the same band. These guys, I think, personally, are much better. Yeah, you, you probably don't agree, but uh, yeah, Nothingness. Check them out. What are we doing today? All right, man. So we talk about space stuff all the time um this is related to space but not necessarily unfortunately no. we didn't it wasn't really. in space <laughs> not really i had yeah. a hard time i had a hard time researching this dude because i remember seeing something about it at one point and going what that just no that's not but then i saw the pictures and how they look the same and everything and i'm like whoa that is pretty weird but I, I wasn't able to come back to that i couldn't find it anywhere so we're we're talking today about the Space Shuttle Challenger, 
Yeah. Uh, and the disaster that took place January 28th, 1986. Do you remember where you were and everything? Do you remember? Let me go back oh, yeah. further. Do you remember oh, yeah. the buildup to it? I was a, I was a oh, yeah. nine years old in like fourth grade. And there was a whole buildup because this was a space shuttle mission and they were going to, they were going to send a teacher to space. Yep. No, I was, I was 16. It was right before my 17th birthday when it exploded. So yeah, I remember pretty vividly, actually, we were in the process of moving from uh, our house in the village. My parents, my mom, my step stepdad just bought a house on the other side of town. So there was a lot of excitement. We were in the, at the tail end of packing up and getting everything out. And I remember being in my mom's room and the little tiny, that little tiny color TV in my mom's room that her and my stepdad had just happened to be on and the news flashed on. I was talking to my stepdad and we both looked up to see that thing explode on TV. Like at that, not at that moment, but right after it happened that day, that hour. Pretty weird. Yeah, I remember we were we were, we were following it because again, it was a buildup, right? They were going to have this uh, teacher, Krista McAuliffe, yeah. be the first, for lack of a better term, civilian to go into space. And she was going to go up there and teach from there and, and it, basically an effort to kind of instill interest, right? in science and try to get children interested in scientific uh, study and jobs and things. And I remember us following that in school and we were, we came back from, it must've been like a recess or something like that. And they, they remember the teacher telling us and she was really upset. I don't think we watched it on TV live. We were playing outside or something. But yeah, I mean, I remember it. That was pretty significant and kind of weird. Now, the Challenger, Space Shuttle Challenger, launched on what was supposed to be mission. It was called Mission uh, 51L. In 1976, NASA unveiled the first reusable manned spacecraft that was known as a Space Shuttle. And it was five years after they unveiled the project that the first flights began. The first one was the Columbia. No, the first one was the Enterprise. Not the first, not the first one that went into space, but the one that they strapped onto the the that jumbo jet to a test flight in the atmosphere to make sure it would glide down properly. And it was because fans of the show Star Trek petitioned NASA like crazy to name the first one Enterprise. And uh, this cast of Star Trek actually was there for the unveiling of the uh, the the first like you know the the proto shuttle in the seventies. Isn't that fucking funny? Yeah, that is funny. Well, that's pretty cool, actually. <laughs> so the first one that did its whole thing that launched with rockets and and uh, orbited and everything with people and came back was the Columbia. Columbia. Yeah. Do you remember watching that? No, I was maybe not born. Columbia launched in 1981, so you were definitely born. Oh, yeah, I was born, but I was little. Okay, I, I remember watching it with my stepbrother, and my stepsister, and even as a uh, what a twelve year old, I guess, I was thinking to myself, "This isn't going to work." I was just I was waiting for it to explode, dude. I did not think it was going to work, so I was surprised, even as kind of a little kid, that it actually made it back safe. I thought for sure it was going to fail. Yeah, it was kind of cool, man, to to read about what they were doing at that time when they came in and they entered the atmosphere and you know used rockets essentially to slow the thing down. And uh, landed, kind of cool. Uh, the Challenger was NASA's second space shuttle to enter service. And it went on its first voyage on April 4th, 1983. 
And prior to the doomed mission, it had made nine successful flights. This was the 10th flight, the, the, the space shuttle mission uh, 51L. And it was going to be the 10th one and the 25th launch of the space shuttle fleet. It's supposed to happen from Kennedy Space Center in Cape Canaveral, Florida. How many shuttles were in the fleet at that point? There was a Columbia, the Challenger. And was Atlantis even built yet? I don't know, man. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't either. Maybe there was only two at that point. The, the primary goal of this mission was to launch tracking and data relay satellite. And it also had a small spacecraft. It's called Spartan Haley spacecraft. And it was to be released and picked up two days later after observing the Haley's comet. I remember that as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And she was going to teach from space too, right? Yeah. Yeah. She was, uh, again, like I said, she was going to be the, the first, um, not like regular person, regular American citizen to fly into space. She went through a screening process that took almost two years. So yeah, she was going to teach, uh, two, two lessons from orbit. And then after that, she was supposed to, uh, follow the next nine months traveling around and teaching students throughout the U.S. Right. Now, it wasn't really known at the time, probably a lot to do with, um, for the sake of the families after the tragedy, you know, for them to not suffer further um, when they did a lot more research and studying the whole explosion to realize that they probably, most likely, weren't killed in the explosion itself, but rode the crew capsule down into the water and it was the impact in the water that actually killed them. Yeah. So some of them, yeah. Some of them most likely still being conscious. Uh, I would have been roughly 13 G's, which is survivable, but you have to figure, you know, some of them were easily probably unconscious at that point, but still uh, the, the oxygen, the oxygen tanks that they were used, the supplemental oxygen that they had was used up in all, but one of the, um, in one case, and that would be the pilot. And that was because he had to manually, he had to like manually flip a switch in order to get the oxygen going. For whatever reason, he wasn't able to do that. But the other ones were depleted, uh, suggesting that they were breathing that oxygen on the ride down. Uh, Isn't that fucking scary? Yeah. So the, the other crew members besides Kristen McCulloch, the, the, the teacher, was Commander Francis Scobie, a pilot, Michael Smith, mission specialists Ellison, Onizuka, Judith Resnick, and Ronald McNair and engineer Gregory Jarvis. Now, it had been delayed. It was delayed due to weather. And even the night prior, it was really, really cold. And they were hit by a like a cold wave, which essentially caused everything to ice over. And after being delayed for six days, they did launch on the 28th. But it was delayed until 11.38 a.m. local time. Once they took off, it was not too diff not too far after that that they had issues. Uh, exploded, in fact, seventy three seconds after liftoff, at an altitude of forty six thousand feet. Yeah, and they were picking up debris for days, and I guess it was falling down for hours after. Yeah, and it was captured all on live TV. Man, it's, mm -hmm. nuts. it's crazy. Um, something I read today actually uh, said that they are still finding small fragments of the debris even today washing up on shore i read that as well i heard that a while back yeah they had found maybe like within the last year or two that they had found a big old chunk of it 
oh, I didn't know. I didn't read that. But yeah, just like small, small particles. It's like, what's this? You know, and they realize, you know, analyzing it, that it's parts of, I guess it was so, I mean, it was so destroyed that, oh God, I, who knows how many pieces that thing was smashed into, but. Yeah. Um, I mean, they were finding body parts apparently and stuff as would make sense, but. Apparently Commander Scobie was, yeah, it sounds gross, but he was, he was whole and he somehow during the salvage operation of the, you know, the pieces and the bodies, he somehow had escaped the, um, the, the capsule. He somehow came out of it and subsequently floated or not floated, but a sank to the bottom and they weren't able to retrieve him initially. And another astronaut, like on the, it was on the last day of the actual recovery operations, he actually chartered a boat uh, on his own time and his own dime because he had to get the body back of his friend. And he retrieved it in 102 or 120 feet of water on that last day. So they got all the bodies back. Theoretically. Ah, theoretically. Now <laughs> we get to the juicy stuff. Okay. Yeah, well, well, this, this whole situation caused them to ground the space shuttle project immediately. Yeah. In fact, they did so for 32 months during this time. They, you know, there were many thoughts as to what happened uh, as far as why it happened, I guess I should say. And, you know, one of the things that came to light was that NASA was doing things for quite a while with not enough funding to be doing some of this stuff. Now, the immediate cause of the accident, they kind of thought they suspected what it was, but it was eventually confirmed uh, the severe cold weather screwed up the the o-ring seals on the boosters and so normally yeah. you're supposed to you know when it gets hot and everything uh it all moves around and well it made it brittle yeah so it prevented the, the cold prevented the rings from uh resealing as they're supposed to mm-hmm. as they as these things move around and so it created a, a leak essentially with hot exhaust able to escape yep and it fucking like a blowtorch torched that big uh, booster and caused it to ignite. They NASA fucked up royally on this one, dude, because they were warned by the company that makes those O-rings. Do not launch. They were told multiple times. Like one of the senior um, engineers at that company was trying to get a hold of NASA and was screaming his head off. You can't not. You can't launch this. It's gonna fail. And I saw an interview with him on TV. This is a while back. But he said he looked at his wife right before the launch. He said that thing's gonna blow up, and it did. And that fucking scary, dude. They just Unreal. didn't listen. They were so hell bent on just getting it launched. NASA knows everything; it'll be fine. And they fucked up bad, dude. Yeah, that's bad. Well, you know, you look at the Artemis, much you know, much later, and there was no one on there, but yet they still seem to have learned. Perhaps right? They delayed that yeah. thing many times because yeah. of weather, because of whatever, anything, which is good. I mean, ultimately, this was, this was a disaster. It's it's a disaster to have this equipment explode and fall on things and rocket fuel or whatever in the ocean and all that. That's all horrible. But when people are inside, that's even worse. So it's good that with the Artemis and that they've seemed to have learned and are going to do their best to make sure it works first. Okay. Let's get to the juicy stuff though, because this is kind of new and it wasn't really, it didn't come about to like 30 years after the, uh, the, the disaster when a whole conspiracy thing came out, you mentioned this and I just saw it briefly years ago on TV and went, what? But it is a little creepy, dude. Yeah. So I guess, I guess, you know, the most recent thing that brought it back into like recent discussion is I guess some guy on TikTok talked about <laughs> it. 
Yeah, I know. <laughs> but this stems back actually to an earlier post on Facebook or Instagram. Mm -hmm. And the person that posted this claimed that they had, you know, look at these photographs and look at these company logos that show that these people really didn't die. It was all fake. You've been duped. You've been scammed for money. Billions of dollars. It's a conspiracy. Yeah. Yeah, and they went and they, yeah, and they went along with it, right? Yeah, give me a break. Yeah, the proof was that their allegation was that people literally had the, looked the same and had the same name. Fake had had been part of this conspiracy that they were. It was all faked, and that they had gone on to have other like lives and other careers. And you look at the pictures, and it's kind of a reach. They lived out their lives. It's kind of a reach. They look really similar, dude. If you if you figure it's 30-something years later, they look pretty similar. The weirdest part is the names on some of them are exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. And they look very similar, I guess, right? Yeah, I think they do. I think they look very similar when you, when you factor in their age. Yeah. And one of the interesting ones was that they had Richard Scobie, who is one of the crew members, is now the CEO of a company called Cows and Trees. And the logo, apparently, if you look at, I saw, I looked it up and looked and it's this cow that's kind of floating on this background. And it's got like this, looks like a cloud. It's like a spiral that's supposed to look like what the little jet stream left behind the Challenger was when during the, uh, during the disaster. Yeah. Did you see that? Did you see that picture? No, I did not. Well, one of the other ones they, they claim is is uh, Ronald McNair. They think Carl McNair looks a lot like Ronald McNair, right? But it's his brother, dude. Of course it looks like him. They're not twins or anything. They're just brothers. And they look alike. They have the same last name. So, yeah. But, you know, it's like you can go back and history says that he had a brother named Carl. It's that dude. So that's the big reach right there. Like, give me a fucking break, dude. That's just his brother. Well, the picture is is interesting. I mean, you see one, two, three, four, five, six of them. And there are photos of people that look quite like them. You know, now it's 30 years later. So, I mean, you know, it's hard to tell what someone's going to look like 30 years later. But there is similarity. I think so. But look, man, there's people that look like people. I mean, you look like friggin' Sean Killian. I do not. You look like some uh, weightlifter in San Diego. <laughs> big, big buff dude that really? looks pretty funny i thought you actually that looks so much like me that you actually i thought you photoshopped it no i think chuck sent me that was yeah i think chuck sent me that and goes who does this look like and i just i dropped my drink that i was holding like holy shit looks exactly like him but huge and buff it unlike does your, unlike your scrawny self <laughs> <laughs> it does though it's what's so funny it's fucking hilarious no i didn't photo if i could photoshop like that man i'd be i'd be in there <laughs> it's so funny yeah. Well, you know, the theory's been debunked. Oh, well, how could know. it not be? How could it not be? I mean, they, they recovered the bodies, dude. Allegedly. Well, they had the bodies, though. I mean, what did they do? Like, switch out, like, murder a bunch of people, switch out the bodies, and then let these people go live out their lives somewhere else? It's ridiculous. And, and to also, what end? I mean, that's the thing. To what that's end? the thing. That's the thing. Why? There's zero reason for any, oh, we've been duped. We've been lied to. Why? What's the fucking point? Yeah. I mean, it's no like one gained. No one gains. I mean, seven like random fucking like homeless people got killed or something for this conspiracy that makes no sense. They didn't get any extra funding. If anything, they were on the verge of being yeah. put out of business, man. It would, it would, yeah. They, like I said, they immediately stopped the shuttle program for almost three years, right? There goes a bunch of money. Yeah. 
you know, you have, uh, if their intent was to, to uh, encourage people to go to the sciences and to look to space and everything, this is going to do the exact opposite. Just makes no sense. It doesn't. And the big reach for me was um, Kristen McAuliffe herself, her doppelganger, so to speak, Sharon A. McAuliffe, I guess. Uh, I guess Kristen McAuliffe's real first name was Sharon. Krista was her middle name. But they, that one, they don't look alike at all to me. That just doesn't even match. The, the other ones look very similar, but, you know, uh, and, and the, you know, the Japanese-American guy, um, what was his name again? Onizuka? Onizuka, I think. Ellison Onizuka. Yeah, there's a guy named Claude Onizuka who does look like him, but I was looking at it and I'm thinking, am I just racist? It's Is his it brother. It's also his brother. Right. Yeah. I was like, is it just because he looks Japanese or yeah. no, just you can't pick family members and say it's a conspiracy. That's fucking stupid, dude. Yeah. So I think it's a dumb one. But it was kind of trippy when I first saw those pictures. I went, wait a minute. The same name. Hmm. Interesting. But yeah, the whole point is to what end? It makes no sense. Yeah. Some some conspiracies, you could see the motivation and it can be a little disconcerting. We're like, yeah, that makes that's logical. But this just right. seems like completely pointless. Especially, it's not even like like they changed the guy's name to Tom Jones or something, right? Like it, right. the same name. <laughs> yeah, I know. You think he'd like have a mustache or wearing like you know wearing those the glasses with a big nose or something? But no, nothing. They you know they're, they're not even trying. So what? What's the point? It makes no sense. Maybe that's what people would say is the is it's the hiding in plain sight, throw in some misinformation, so you don't know what's true and what's real. A little bit of truth sprinkled in. <laughs> Again, what's the point? There's no logic to it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't. I I personally don't think there's any logic to the, the whole you know, moon landing conspiracy hoax thing. Moon landing hoax conspiracy. To me, there's no. There's absolutely zero. Mo there's like, why? Why would you do that? And your rival, you know, it's the same thing. It's like, it doesn't make any sense. There's no point to it. You know, it's easier just to go to the moon. But we faked it in a movie studio. You know, because that one's that's so much more difficult. You know, so let's just do that instead. But it just fucking doesn't even make sense. And if that were true, the Soviets would have uncovered that because they were our rivals and they were watching the whole time. So debunked right there. This is this is this is debunked. But it, it, it is pretty fascinating when you see those guys faces and the names are like the same. It was like, holy shit. <laughs> wait a minute. What the hell is going on here? That's a pretty, pretty mind blowing con um, coincidence, though, don't you think? Yeah, there's also eight billion people on the planet. Well, find a dude who looks like me, who's also named Ian play on the planet. What's well, I thought uh, Sean is another word for Ian. It is. Uh huh. But what about Killian? Killian doesn't match my last name. Kill Although Ian. it is kill Ian. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, it's whatever. you. Dude, you're going to blow my cover. What the fuck, dude? Yeah, it's me. I admit it. It's me. But I got to go. I got to show to, um, I got to show to be two and you got to get to the gym, I think. Huh. Yeah. Well, on that note, thanks for listening, everyone.